Good evening, all nations. Uh, my name is Pastor David. Uh, I serve on the staff, and I'm glad that we're able to uh, worship together on this Good Friday. Uh, on this specific Friday, Christians uh, spend time in thinking about and remembering the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, it is an opportunity for us uh, to center ourselves in what this one man's death achieved for the world. Uh, my hope is that in this brief time that we have, uh, that we can see the true beauty and the goodness of this specific Friday. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you can turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 15, uh, and we'll read verses 33 through 39. I'll give you guys uh, an opportunity to get there, uh, but as usual, the, the passage should go up on the screen uh, right next to me. Let's give our full attention as I read read God's holy word for us. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was a son of God. This is God's word. Amen. Now, there are three key elements uh, in the crucifixion that I want us to pay attention to. First is Jesus' cry. Secondly, the curtain. And lastly, the confession. So first, Jesus' cry. Uh, the Jewish day started at 6 a.m. Uh, and on the third hour, that would be 9 a.m., which is when Jesus was crucified and nailed to the cross. In our passage, we are told that it is now the sixth hour and a darkness came over the entire land. Uh, it was noon. Uh, Jesus has been, had been hanging on the cross for three hours. And at the time when the sun should be shining the brightest, we are told that a thick darkness came over the land. Now this is a supernatural darkness similar to the ninth plague that God inflicted upon Egypt in Exodus. This darkness lasted three hours. And for the first time since hanging on the, on the cross, we hear Jesus cry out. Verse 34 once again. And at the ninth hour, Jesus, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now there has been much debate and, and conversation about this cry. How are we to understand this cry of Jesus? Now, every commentator agrees that Jesus here is quoting Psalm 22, verse 1, but not all agree on why Jesus lets out this cry. You know, as a parent of three young kids, one of the skills that we develop uh, is deciphering the different cries of our kids. Uh, there are cries of complaint, cries of pain, cries of sadness and uh, cries of injustice. Right, there, there, there are a variety of different cries that all three of my kids uh, uh, make. And so Jane and I would be in our rooms and we would hear our kids cry and 
um, you know, in the beginning, we would respond immediately. But after a while, as we've understood our kids a little bit better, we sit in our rooms just listening at, at the tone and the pitch of the cry uh, and in the surrounding circumstances. And depending on that cry, we either get up from our bed uh, to try to comfort our kids or we let them just simply cry it out. The question that we have to consider is what type of cry is Jesus letting out on the cross? Some suggest that it's a cry of anger and unbelief. Uh, Jesus perhaps had a little hope that at the last minute his God, his Father, would pull through for him, but he didn't. Others interpret this cry as a rep- representation of the entirety of Psalm 22, which ends in victory and triumph. And so they take this cry as a, as a cry of victory. Uh, neither of these options, I, I believe, are, are theological or even contextually correct. What gives us insight into the cry of Jesus here on the cross is actually the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was in great distress asking God to take this cup, which was his wrath, away from him. His distress was so severe that he dropped sweats of blood. Jesus' cry here is one of abandonment and isolation. When Jesus only knew of his father's affection, here in the ninth hour, for the first time, he's experiencing alienation. The son would be abandoned by his father. The union and the love between God the Father and God the Son has been since eternity. It's unfathomable to imagine to have an eternity worth a worth of love and affection and all of a sudden just being gone. You know, as, as humans, we'll be lucky to be married to our wives for what, 50 years. Imagine an eternity worth of love and affection between the Father and the Son. Here's what Tim Keller, a Christian author, says in his book, King's Cross. This forsakenness, this loss, was between the father and the son who had loved each other from all eternity. This love was infinitely long, absolutely perfect, and Jesus was losing it. Jesus was being cut out of the dance. Jesus cried out because he was losing something he's never been without. And the reason why the father turned his back and the reason why the darkness lasted so long was because on that cross, Jesus was absorbing into himself all the sins of the world, all our lies, our lusts, our greed, our pride, hatred, racism, our addictions, idolatry. Jesus on that cross was absorbing absorbing all of those sins, all the things that we were guilty of and condemned for. Jesus, as he was hanging on that cross, took it all for you and me. The things that God abhorred and hated, Jesus was becoming. Jesus became sin on that cross. The cost was high and the debt was immense. The penalty was an infinite penalty. And that is why Jesus was the only suitable vessel to take in all the sins of the world. And he was the only, he was, he is the only worthy sacrifice that would appease God's justice and his wrath. Jesus' cry teaches us a great deal about the necessity of the cross. 
He took on our sin, our shame and guilt, and suffered our punishment, our punishment that we deserved. And something incredible happens next. After Jesus lets out his last cry, something happens to the temple curtain. Verse 38, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, this curtain uh, guarded the place where God's presence was known to dwell. It was called the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest had access to this space. And, And only once a year on the Day of Atonement would he enter in to offer blood sacrifices on on behalf of God's people. See, this curtain was a glaring reminder of Israel's inadequacies and sinfulness. And at the same time, this curtain represents God's holiness, that he is other, he is separate from us, he is perfect. I talk about social distancing. We have to keep six feet away from each other. The distance between us and God, who is holy, is an infinite distance. God was so distinctly separate from his people that only an appointed and anointed priest had access to him and that once a year. And even then, the high priest was risking his own life entering into that space because of God's holiness. Because no one can stand in the presence of a holy God. That's the point. Only the righteous and spotless can. You know, in 2008, I had the amazing privilege of going to North Korea on a vision trip. And part of that trip included going to uh, the DMZ. Um, it runs about 160 miles and, and, and 2.5 miles wide. And both sides are heavily guarded and cameras are pointed at each other. It was, it was emotional and difficult to witness uh, the DMZ. Because these two countries share the same history and culture, but yet they are divided, unable to be together. See, these two countries should be one. In the same way, humanity was designed to commune with God, to be one with God, to share the same space. But due to our sins, our betrayal, and our unbelief, there's an immeasurable separation between us and the creator. And as we made our way around the DMZ, there's a place called the Joint Security Area, the JSA. And in this area, there are these blue rooms that border both north and south. And it was there where the historic meeting of the North Korean and South Korean presidents happened in 2018, where they shook hands. And after 65 years of being at war, they decided to make plans to end it. It was so emotional. And this is something that both countries were hoping for, for unification. But it is something still that these countries are waiting for and hoping for. But the good news of the gospel, between God and humanity, there is no need for us to wait. Uh, There is no more hope that we need to have because Jesus Christ was sent by his Father into enemy territory to make peace and reconciliation. But there was no meeting, a shaking of hands, a signing of an agreement for denuclearization or negotiations. Jesus unilaterally came down from heaven, breaking into time and space, taking on human flesh 
lived a perfect life for 33 years, and then gave himself as an ultimate offering of peace for sinners so that we can be reconciled with God. His death tore the curtain from top to bottom, symbolizing now there's access to God the Father. And by faith in Jesus, we are profoundly and mysteriously united to Christ in his death and resurrection. He absorbed our debt of sin and he transferred to our account his perfect record, his righteousness. And by this exchange, we are now able to be God's adopted children. This is the offer of the gospel. We unload our sins to Jesus and then he gives us his righteousness. And faith is what God asks from us. It sounds simple enough, but not everyone responds to Jesus' death the same way. And there's a shocking confession that we see at the end of our passage by an unlikely individual. And this brings us to our final element, which is the confession. See, some thought Jesus' cry was, was a cry directed at the great Old Testament prophet Elijah because Eloi, which, uh, which, means both, which means both God and Eli. Upon hearing the cry, someone ran and soaked uh, a reed with sour wine, which would quench Jesus' thirst, but also it would keep him conscious. They were curious to see if Eli would actually come down and take him off the cross. Right? In the midst of all these different reactions and responses and even confusion, we hear an astonishing, clear confession from a Gentile, from a Roman centurion. Verse 39, And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was a son of God. Wow. The same confession that Peter made. When Jesus asked him, who do people say I am? This Roman centurion said, this was the son of God. Right? See, Jesus died in, in an atypical way. Right? He showed strength and control. And observing this whole incident, a Gentile came to the conclusion that Jesus was truly the son of God. How will you respond to Good Friday? Right? It's not a day for us to feel bad or, or to pity Jesus because he willingly laid down his life. He knew exactly what God's plan was. Right? So we shouldn't feel pity. We should see this amazing sacrifice and it should move us to worship him, to adore him, and to place our faith and trust in him. Good Friday should be a time of, of thanksgiving, and adoration. Because in Jesus, there is no more shame and guilt, no condemnation. There is no fear even in death. Jesus has removed the fangs of death. He's gotten rid of death's sting. In Jesus, there is promise of an everlasting life. And as I've been following the news and listening uh, of the COVID-19 updates, I came upon a report that gave me some hope. See, the people that have recovered from uh, this virus, uh, they have within their, their blood antibodies that can possibly help attack the coronavirus in other patients. 
And, and so there's this procedure that's being tested out. If you transfuse right, the blood of, of these people that are recovered, right, within that blood, possibly it can fight the virus in new patients. Right? And still, we're waiting on, on the results of further studies, but this was still something to be encouraged about. See, brothers and sisters, there is power in blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Why? Instead of keeping his distance, he drew near. He willingly contracted the disease of sin and he took it upon upon himself on the cross for you and me. He bore the dreadful wrath of God on our behalf and he drew his last breath on that cross for us. However, we know that the story does not end there. After three days of death, he will rise again. He overcame the greatest disease and that of sin. He conquered over death. And his blood contains the very antibody for us to be cleansed of our guilt and to have everlasting life. It's because of his blood we can cry out and our cries be heard. It is his blood that grants us access to God our Father. And it is faith in this blood that secures us everlasting life. Church, do you see why Good Friday is good? We get experience, fellowship, and communion with our Heavenly Father. The invitation for us is to repent and believe. For those of us uh, watching uh, this or listening in, I, I want to ask us to consider uh, the cross, to respond in faith, to repent and believe, receive this gift. And church, may we respond to Good Friday in worship and adoration, thanksgiving and praise, for in Christ we are saved from our sin once and for all. And we have no longer need to fear death. We have everlasting life because of the cross. Let's believe and trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity uh, for us to reflect on Jesus' crucifixion and death. Father, we are undeserving sinners. We deserve your judgment and your wrath. But yet Jesus Christ came down and and drew near to sinners. He ate with us and he dwelt among us all to die on that cross for us. Thank you, Father, for the the ransom price that Jesus paid on our behalf. God, in the midst of this crisis and uh, the struggles and the sufferings that, that we're experiencing now, help us, Lord, to see the true beauty and the worth of Christ on that cross. And may that fill us with hope and joy, knowing that we are forgiven and knowing that we have everlasting life in him. So Father, we ask that you will stir up within us faith and affections for you. God, now as we respond in in prayer and in praise, may you receive all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.